It is great to be together with you. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. We are going to spend some time in the Word in the book of Acts, chapter 2, the second chapter of Acts, which is a pivotal chapter in the New Testament, and also it was an amazing Christian folk band in the 70s. And that joke only works at the 9 a.m., and it doesn't even work at the 9 It's fine. Acts chapter 2. Millennials, if you didn't get that reference, ask your parents, Gen Z, ask grandma or grandpa. (laughs) Acts 2. Before we head out onto the lawn together, again, we're going to spend some time in the Word. We are going to um, talk this morning about community, and then we're going to practice community together. Um, as a church. So again, this will be a shorter service. If I do my part well, it will be a shorter service. And um, this, at the end of the message, I'm going to bring up a friend um, from the church, and we're going to have a conversation around discipleship and community. And today really is about our discipleship to Jesus. And I really do have one agenda this morning, and one thing that I'd love to impress on your hearts today, and it is this, the disciples are formed in community. I'll say it this way, disciples of Jesus are formed in and by the community of faith that they belong to. Now, what I'm going to do to start today is I'm going to talk about our vision of discipleship here at River West. Um, And to get into that, I'm going to give a few definitions, a few different ways that we think about discipleship at River West and how that connects to community. And so the first is I want to give you a definition, the way we think about disciple, what a disciple actually is at um, here in our church. We define a disciple as someone who entrusts themselves to Jesus as Savior, Lord, and teacher. Have you heard that before? I hope you have. And uh, oftentimes we use the term disciple as a verb. So we'll say things like, who are you discipling? And, and have conversations around that. And that is totally fine. But one of the things is we've thought deeply about what it means to be a disciple is we have come to the conclusion that disciple is first and foremost an identity. And it is for followers of Jesus, the primary identity in their life is that they are a disciple to Jesus. So disciple is an identity word that is rooted in the identity of Jesus. Are you with me? We find our identity in his. And what we mean by that is we we're thinking about how the scriptures depict Jesus to us. When we are introduced to Jesus in the Gospels, we find him to be Savior, Lord, and Teacher. Savior because he is the only one who can save us from ourselves and from the grip of sin and death, that he is in fact the Christ. And he is also the Lord. And so Jesus has not simply saved us with like a get out of hell free pass or something like that. He has done far more than that. He is the Lord of the cosmos. And what this means is that he is the Lord of our lives. It means that he calls the shots for those of us who are discipling under him. And finally, we recognize that Jesus is our teacher. Jesus is not some sort of like cowboy who came in to save the day and then took off. Or, and he's not like a tyrannical leader who, who kind of does a heavy-handed, oppressive, you will follow me or else kind of Life, he in fact is one who comes alongside us and says, follow me and I will teach you how to live. I will show you what eternal life is and that eternal life is now, amen? 
So Jesus is Savior, Lord, and teacher. And a disciple is a person who identifies him as that and entrusts themselves to that Jesus. Now, this brings us to the word discipleship. And so if disciple is an identity, then we talk about discipleship as a process. It was the late Dallas Willard that said, discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Who Jesus would be if he were you. I love that. And let me just say this. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you want to know? How would Jesus live my life if he were me in my shoes? That's what we're considering. And that is the process that we enter into in discipleship. But again, our focus today is on the reality that that process happens in community. And that process can only happen, it can only form and develop, and yes, over a long period of time, but it happens in community. And so now, around eight months ago, we began to think really deeply about what disciples actually need as they grow up into Jesus. And so yes, it's an identity, and yes, it's a process, but what are the essential ingredients, or what are the core commitments of a disciple of Jesus that lead us into deeper formation? And so as a leadership team, we've thought about this for a long time, and as a staff here at the church, we processed this together for a long time. And we, um, after many spirited conversations, we kind of landed on these four words that we believe represent core commitments of every disciple of Jesus. And I do think we have a slide related to that. There it is. Disciples of Jesus are committed to the word, and what we mean by the word is the scriptures. And they are committed to doctrine. And what we mean by doctrine is beliefs that, that um, are core and central to our Christian faith. Disciples of Jesus are committed to what we call spiritual practices. And also they are committed to mission, to live on mission as missionaries. And you will see right in the middle of that Venn diagram that all of this happens in community. And so just, I, we, we, we kind of expounded this on June 5th. If you want to um, go back in our, in our message archive on the, on the website or on YouTube. Yes, we're on YouTube. I tell my kids that all the time. Like, Dad had a couple views on YouTube, and they scoff at me. But on June 5th, we kind of laid out this vision of discipleship. But I just bring you a little bit more into it because I know some of you are just catching up with us and some of you have heard this many times, but all of you get the blessing of, of hearing it again. Okay, we believe that disciples are committed to the scriptures. We believe that it is essential for us as we're formed in Christ that our story, that we find our story in the story of the scriptures which ultimately lead and point to Jesus. And from these scriptures and throughout church history, there has arisen what we call doctrine. Doctrine is not a four-letter word. It is not a bad word. It is not a negative word. It's actually everywhere. Doctrine is, when we think about it, we, we're thinking about doctrines as truths about God, his character, his plans and ways. What God teaches us about our world and the nature of human beings truths about the people of God, truths about how people change. All of these things are doctrine. And, and doctrine is not limited to religious belief. Doctrine is not something that only um, Christianity and Islam and Buddhism and uh, secularism, it's not just sort of beliefs that are centered around religious groups. Uh, doctrine is, 
is, is defined as a set of belief that is, can be put out by, um, held and taught by a church, a political group, or any other group. That's literally the, the dictionary definition, any other group. So every nation has doctrine. Every company from Netflix to Nike has doctrine that they live by, a set of beliefs that help them move forward together as a people. Every people group has a doctrine and set of beliefs that set them apart and then give them a vision for what the good life actually is. And Christianity is like that. And as Christians, we believe as followers of Jesus that it is essential that we understand what are the core beliefs in our faith. And uh, finally, there is also spiritual practices or disciplines, if you like that word. And the spiritual disciplines are activities that disciples of Jesus can enter into that help us put our faith into practice. So there's a core belief in Christianity that God is sovereign, that he's the creator and sustainer of the world. And there is this ancient Christian practice of Sabbath where we literally rest from our work for a day and that rest is designed to remind us and train our bodies and our minds to constantly be considering the fact that God is God and we are not. And so that is how uh, spiritual practice and a doctrine can work together. And then finally, we have mission. Disciples of Jesus do not exist for themselves, but they exist and are on mission for the purposes of God in this world to announce that the good news and the life of Jesus is available to all, okay? So that is what we have presented thus far um, in our vision for discipleship. And again, what I wanna tell you today, and it's a real simple thing, is that all of that happens in community. All of that happens as a people of God gather together and they share their life. And so this morning, I know I said that we would open our Bibles and we are in fact going to do that right now. Are you ready? That was like the longest intro of my life and yours, okay? <laughs> Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. What we'll see in this text this morning is a picture, an illustration of a community of people that are being transformed by Jesus in powerful ways. Disciples of Jesus who are learning how to love one another and to follow Jesus. And I want to invite you to open your hearts, not just your Bibles, but open your hearts and your minds to this vision and this story, okay? Acts 2, 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And this is the word of the Lord. Devotion and awe, belief, joy, generosity, salvation, worship, transformation. These are the themes that jump off the page at us as we read this text. That is 
the author Luke describing to us the origins of the movement that we call the church, the earliest stories of this, these communities of Jesus that were forming. And no doubt, it's humbling to listen to that and think about our own experience of church. No doubt, it's, um, it's a miracle. What we re read about here is something that only God can do, and it tells us that God was actually doing this. But what we see in the text is all these themes kind of jump out of us. We see that these early followers of Jesus were committed to things that helped them grow together, that helped them grow as followers of Jesus. There was many commitments that they had, but, but really I think that it comes down to four commitments that we see um, in this text. Can we put that last slide back up of our discipleship vision? I believe that these early followers of Jesus, there you go, were committed to the word and doctrine, and spiritual practices and mission. What I wanna do for just a few moments, just a few minutes today, is I wanna to talk to you about just where we see that in this text. Well, um, the first thing that we do see in verse 42 is that they were devoted to the word and doctrine. And what I mean by that is it says right there, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So what does that actually mean? Okay, so the apostles' teaching is sort of a shorthand phrase in throughout the New Testament because when you're reading the New Testament, and I hope I say this right, when you're reading the New Testament, you're reading stories that happened before the New Testament existed. Does that, does that, are you tracking with me? Okay, so there, this is, this is um, weeks and months after Jesus resurrected from the dead and ascended to heaven. So they don't have a New Testament Bible. They have an Old Testament Bible. That make sense? The Hebrew people. And so the apostles' teaching throughout the New Testament, what that means is that these new believers would gather under the leadership of the apostles, which were um, at this point like the 11 or 12 who had discipled under Jesus for his three years of ministry. And it says that they sat under their teaching. Now, Peter, right before the text that we looked at this morning, P Peter preaches a sermon and this sermon was absolutely fire, as the kids say. And literally, it was fire. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Peter teaches this, preaches this sermon, and, it, and it, um, 3,000 people get saved by it, which um, might not happen today, but um, something, something to hope for, right? Peter preaches this sermon, and it's profound in its impact. But when you look at the content of the sermon, Peter is actually drawing out the Old Testament scriptures which the people, these new followers, these Jewish new followers of Jesus, that they would have known. He's pointing them to the scriptures that had shaped their whole life, and he's saying, that has been fulfilled in Jesus. And then what he goes on to do in the, in the sermon is he begins to draw out these kind of core beliefs about Jesus, about his life, about his death, about his resurrection, about the nature of his humanity and his divinity. When you read these early sermons, which are basically the apostles' teachings, you're seeing scripture and doctrine come together. And so for us as followers of Jesus, when we disciple under Jesus, we commit to the apostles' teachings as we commit to the New Testament scriptures that were formed from them. Is that making sense to you this morning? Okay, some of you, okay. So these, earlier, these early disciples of Jesus were just committed. They were committed to the word. They were learning the word and they were learning how it pointed 
to Jesus. And also we see that these believers were devoted to practices that really put their faith into practice. They're examples of the kinds of disciplines and practices that they were shaped by. They, we see them in the text. It says that they were breaking um, the breaking of bread and the prayers. The breaking of bread is a term used in a number of ways in the New Testament, but to describe hospitality and the idea of bringing people into homes for meals. And it was also a shorthand way to talk about communion or what we refer to as the Lord's Supper. So they were having dinner together and they were having the Lord's Supper together. This was one of their practices um, that they committed to at an almost daily kind of way. We're also told that they were devoted to prayer. They were learning to pray together. This practice was shaping them as a people. One of the most profound parts of this text is the generosity that is practiced amongst the believers. And it was practiced to such a degree, it was so contagious in their communities that some even began to sell their homes and give all the proceeds away from that. We know that some of them did not sell their homes because it also tells us that they gathered in homes. And so this was not some sort of like compulsory, like heavy-handed, you've got to get rid of all your stuff. But there was a spirit of generosity that rose up in the community of Jesus because they were practicing the way of Jesus, which is the way of generosity. This was one of the habits, one of the practices that shaped them and formed them as a people. And these spiritual practices of generosity and prayer and worship and communion and many more have shaped disciples of Jesus for the last 2,000 years and will continue to do that onward. They continue to shape us. These are things that are core to our own gatherings, that we would gather and worship, that we would come to the table regularly as a community, and that we would practice generosity together. And again, that word together is just throughout all of this passage. They are constantly together, growing together, sharing together. They shared their lives as they shared their faith. And the fourth thing that we see again, and this is part of our vision of discipleship, is that they were on, they were on mission together. So what was happening in the, in the life of the early church is they were experiencing the power of conversion happen at a daily rate amongst them. So we're tempted to think when we read a description like this in Acts 2 that they, there was some kind of like holy huddle that they had where they were just separated from the pagans and from those who didn't think the way that they were. But we are told that the Lord was adding to their numbers daily. And specifically in the last verse, in verse 47, we are told that they experienced favor with all the people. Their lives were compelling. Their generosity and fervor and faith was drawing many in. And that, that phrase, they, they enjoy, having favor with all the people, is a really interesting phrase to think about. Maybe some of you are, are here today because there's something that's been compelling about this community of Christ, and you're drawn into it. You're drawn into it maybe by the love of a neighbor who invited you or a family member who dragged you here or something like that. But we're told that the earliest disciples had favor with all the people. But again, I want to say this. That's a very interesting phrase because very quickly, if you read in the story of Acts, in fact, in chapter three, like the very next verse 
In the very next verse, Peter and John, two of the apostles, followers of Jesus, find themselves imprisoned for their faith and for their witness to Jesus and for performing miracles. And that makes that phrase, favor with all the people, kind of interesting, doesn't it? It's like, was it for like 10 minutes that people liked them? And then, then the next day, they're like, we're actually going to throw you in prison. Which, when you read the New Testament, is kind of what happens. Um, so what does that mean, favor with all the people? Well, again, we do know that there, was, there were many that were drawn in, but there were also some that were polarized by what these early Christians were doing. So here's what I want to do for a second. And I think this might be helpful. I'm going to do a little Bible nerd out thing for just a minute, okay? The phrase favor with all the people. It could mean that the people of Jerusalem, the, Jeru the Jewish culture, had favor towards these Christians. But just, just hear me for a second. The phrase could also literally read that the early Christians had favor toward all the people. Think about the difference there. That word favor is actually the Greek word charis for grace. There's multiple ways to interpret what is in the Greek, but it very well likely could mean that these early followers of Jesus had grace for every person that they encountered. Think about that. What does that mean? How do you put that in a word? It means that they were on mission together. And yes, I'm aware that there's a light flashing at me, but can you stay with me? <laughs> I don't know what's happening, and I don't know if it's going away, okay? But we're going to stay connected together for just a few more minutes. They had grace toward the watching community, and that was compelling to people. Are you with me? The earlier followers of Jesus were on mission together. I'll put their mission in a sentence for you. They were building a community of Christ for the world. And if you've been here at our church for more than 10 seconds, I hope you've heard us say that because that is the mission of River West Church is to build a community of Christ, to build a community of disciples for the world, not just the holy huddle where we talk about how evil the world is out there, but a group, a community, a family of people that are learning to follow Jesus together, that are being filled with the word that testifies to him, that are learning the core truths of our Christian faith, that are engaging in spiritual practices that help us live out our faith, but all the time with grace and favor toward the watching world. That's what we're actually doing. And that is what Connect Sunday is about. Are you with me? That is what we're doing today. That is why we encourage people to connect deeply in community because we will not have a compelling witness to the outside world if we do not learn to love and support one another. Are you with me? And that is what was happening as the church in this early kind of stages of the origins of, of the Christian faith. That's what was happening together. And that's what we're trying very imperfectly, but hopefully steadily to become together. Are you with me? That's what we're doing today. I'm now going to illustrate all of this by bringing up a friend of mine named Simon Armour, and we're going to have a conversation around community and discipleship, and uh, you can welcome Simon. He's, he's, he is a dear friend, very cool guy, super neat accent, and, uh, and I'm really grateful that you're here today, and thanks for being here. And uh, is that microphone on? There it is. 
There it is. So yes, so this is Simon. Um, Simon, why don't you just tell us a little bit about, um, about yourself, how you got that cool accent, um, how you came to our church, and um, let's just start there. Cool. Uh, g'day, everyone. <laughs> that doesn't tell you where I'm from. I'm it's not from sure Beaverton. I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I moved here from Australia 10 years ago uh, for work. I'm a creative director in advertising. Uh, I met my beautiful wife, Katie, whose birthday it is today. Happy birthday, Katie. <laughs> um, I met her uh, and we got married eight years ago. Uh, and we have two wonderful boys, uh, Henry and Wesley, who are four and or going on four and six. And uh, we, or Katie, actually grew up in her high school years going to this church with her family, with her parents. Um, and so when we bought in Lake Oswego uh, in 2019, we ended up uh, moving back here. And Katie suggested that we should come here. Um, incidentally, I also uh, visited here when I first moved from Australia. I had some friends going here. Uh, and then I ended up downtown. Um, but here I am again. Very good. So talk to us a little bit of how you went from attending to really getting plugged into the community here. What kind of ministries were involved in that, people and things like that? Yeah, we were uh, firstly in a marriage uh, group together um, and then COVID put an end to that. So then we weren't in that group. <laughs> uh, and then I... I was telling Eric this the other day, I was, um, I had a group of friends, a very close-knit community in my church back in Sydney, and uh, I was really looking to kind of recreate that, um, just the friendships that I had. Um, also, just as we got deeper into COVID, um, the more I would talk to Katie about things, the more she would say, you really need to find a group of guys that you can talk to about this. <laughs> I'm not the person you should be talking to. Um, and so as COVID kind of loosened up, um, I sent an email to the church and um, someone I'm sure you would know is either Max Thunder or Pastor Mike Self uh, sent me a message and um, I went and met with him. And I won't go into the entire story because we'd be here um, past the 11 a.m. service. But I, uh, I had really kind of felt at the time um, a conviction to just really be committed to the church. Um, and I can't point to a particular scripture, but I really felt like I should be committed to it in the same way that I was committed to my marriage. And um, some of that was because of, you know, just the fickleness I'd seen um, in people around me at my church previous to River West and in Sydney as well, where they um, were just kind of church shopping and, you know, dissatisfied for a number of reasons. And I thought, you know, if I just throw away my relationship with the church that easily, then what does it really mean? So, um, and then I also just wanted that friendship and Katie wanted me to have that friendship. And so... <laughs> Uh, I reached out to Mike. Mike and I sat down. I told him my entire life story in about 10 minutes. And then uh, Mike, one of his special gifts was he kind of had me signed up to something kind of immediately. And uh, the next thing I knew, I was leading a group um, and really in an amazing group of men. Um, I'm looking at some of those men as I'm looking out at, 
on you right now. Um, and I did two studies. One was uh, this living lion-hearted study and then the study of David. Um, and then we're about to start a new one now. And it was, that group was just really life-changing. The, the guys in the group were, um, honestly, people I probably would never gravitate towards in just normal life. I'd never really meet in normal life. It was a mixed diversity of age, backgrounds, um, where we'd come from, our life experiences. And these guys were sharing things that they were saying. I certainly won't share what they were saying, but they were saying they'd you know, only shared these things with their wives. Um, and so very um, intimate, very honest, and um, really like the camaraderie and the love that was built um, based on our kind of, you know, uh, hell, joint kind of des desire to really grow in discipleship, to grow in our love and knowledge of God um, was, was really um, deepened in a way that um, we felt like a band of brothers, um, and, and it really, um, yeah, it really just um, was profound. Um, and then I also joined a group um, with Eric and uh, his wife and a, a number of others, and uh, so that community group uh, has been um, great in that, you know, I went from being a young adult at one point <laughs> No kids, being able to do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. Uh, and then um, now we're in this stage of life with young, young kids. And, and so we've met, um, I've gone from this season of just, you know, independence and having fun and surrounded by a group of young adults to now being in this, um, in this new season with a group of people who are in a similar place in my life. So um, they're kind of the three, yeah. the three beats, I guess. Yes. And wouldn't you know that you can learn about all those ministries out on the lawn just after this? <laughs> really good, really good plug there for that. Simon, you know, one of the things, you mentioned that, that, that sense that the Lord gave you to commit to his church like you were committed to your wife, and you and I are in community together, and I know how committed you are um, to your wife, Katie, how much you love her, and so... What I wanted to add, and when I, when I heard that at first, that actually came, we, we shared that over dinner, um, and that came at a time where I was deeply encouraged just to hear you talk about your love for the church. And, um, and so I know you don't know everybody here, but I know that you love many people here, and so how would you encourage us as a, as a community today, how to enter into sort of this day and the various activities in it? How would you encourage us to connect? Yeah, I uh, was praying about this yesterday, and um, I don't know how many of you have the Bible app that serves up that kind of daily verse, but um, I came across one of those who was actually the pastor that married Katie and I was um, giving it yesterday, and it was a verse, um, I'll share it with you, it's not too long, it's from Revelation 7, 9 to 10, and um, this is obviously John uh, he says, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And so I guess that idea of just, you know, one day finding ourselves in this kind of great diverse multitude brought together in community um, 
I think this is a picture of us reconciled in relationship, living in community, um, that God really intended for us. But I think that's something he also intends for us to experience here and now. So I would just encourage everyone, um, really in light of what you were just preaching as well, that um, if you haven't stepped into community in this way, if your experience of church is just here on a Sunday for, you know, an hour and a half or whatever it is, um, I would just respectfully challenge you, why haven't you done that? Um, And if it's because you're too busy or you don't really think there's much value in it or whatever it is, I just encourage you to think about that more in light of what Eric did talk about this morning. Um, And I hope what I've said... um, is more than just kind of my story. I hope it really is meaningful to you and that you um, can understand in this just a short time like what the effect of that can really be in your life um, and how that can profoundly like change your relationship with Jesus. Thanks. Can we thank Simon together? Okay, I'm going to get really practical in just a second, okay? And, um, and we're going to head out onto the lawn, and I'm going to show you a map in just a second. But before I show you a map, where to go, I want to just invite you to consider this morning, maybe there's something that we talked about this morning. Maybe it relates to your understanding of the Scripture, or maybe it relates to your understanding of core Christian beliefs, or... Maybe you're longing for a place to practice your faith. Maybe you want to get outside of yourself and begin to um, see the, the mission of God as bigger than just your own fulfillment. What you'll find outside is not programs, but discipleship communities. Each one of them, whether it's a class like Grief Share where you're learning how to heal from loss or whether it's the women's Bible study where you're learning um, how to study the scriptures and talk about them together. Maybe it's a community group where you find yourself with a group of people and you're starting to do this crazy thing like Sabbath and turn your phone off for more than 10 minutes. Um, That's what you'll find outside. And maybe this morning something stirred up in you and I just encourage you to stay even in a spirit of prayer um, as, as we leave and, and an invitation to the Lord. Maybe the Lord's going to lead you to someone out there that you'll just connect with, but maybe the Lord will lead you to a community group leader or, or a class leader or um, many different ways to get plugged in. If this is the only space that you sort of recognize River West as your church, again, as, as Simon said, and pastors always appreciate it when people say things for them, but um, I would respectfully encourage and challenge you Um, to go deeper than that, because we follow Jesus together. Discipleship is a community project. We're learning to follow him together, and the only way for that to happen is if we gather together in community regularly, and so that's the encouragement today. Let me close in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for what you've taught us, what you've shown us. We love you. We honor you. We thank you, God, that you've brought us into your family, Lord. And so the people that we sit next to are not just strangers, but they're brothers and sisters in Christ. What a gift that is. Help us learn to walk together as we follow you. Amen.